Hello, this is Anne, the Multimedia Director of Kearney First United Methodist Church, and you're listening to our Sunday Morning Sermon Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and uplifted as you listen to this sermon. Thank you for turning in. Let us pray. God, you speak to us as we read Scripture. Send your Holy Spirit to open our ears, hearts, and minds, so we may hear your message for us today. Amen. Today's scripture reading comes from Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went to the vineyard. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Did you agree to work for Daenerys? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do that? What I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So that the last will be first and the first will be last. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Nate. Yeah, we should just... uh... And can, can you make my voice like Nate's? Does that work? It, it, all right. Still, still it's not there. All right, we'll, we'll work on, on this. Oh, apparently we do all have different gifts. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, breathe in me and breathe in us that as we ponder together the parable of Jesus and the mystery of his presence, that we would discover him at work in us. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. When I was in high school, I uh, was in German class, and every year, well, every other year, the German class, those who wanted to go would participate in a group exchange program with a school in Germany. And near the springtime, there would be a lot of conversation preparing because they go in the early summer. And there would be excitement, and sometimes this excitement would spill over into the classroom time. Now, perhaps we did this because we didn't want to do that day's lesson. German grammar, German vocabulary, German like literature, that wasn't what we wanted. And so we would try to distract Frau P, Mrs. P, uh, with questions about life and about life in Germany. 
And sometimes she would humor us and answer these questions. And one day I, I was curious about how the driving practices go in Germany. Because we all hear things sometimes and we also have assumptions once in a while. But we'll return to how that story plays out after we move through a little bit more, remembering who we are and where we've been and where we are in this journey. See, this is the fourth sermon in the series in which we're exploring who particularly are we as followers of Jesus as Kearney First United Methodist Church. And we began with this reaffirmation that we are a certain sort of people by God's calling and by God's grace. A people who seek to let the love of God and love of neighbor grow in us and guide our decisions and guide our minds and our hearts. And a people who seek to grow as disciples who help other people grow as disciples of Jesus. Now, when we talk about this, we say that we're people of practice. By our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness, the Holy Spirit grows us in love with God and in love for others. Now, we might also say that that's about talking to God through worship and prayer, listening to God through uh, scripture reading, partnering with God in acts of kindness and mercy and grace, and uh, growing like God through acts of generosity and living as Christ's witnesses with our lives. But then after that, we say, well, what, what makes us us? And in what spirit do we do these practices? And so we have been exploring that as a question of values. In what character are we seeking to live as those who love God, love others, and grow as disciples? So we've been exploring these values because they are both descriptive of who God is and we see them lived out here, but they're also aspirational in the sense that we sense God calling us to something deeper, as the song we just sang says. So we've explored a little bit of God's holiness and God's caring, how God rubs off on us, enabling us to be holy and caring, and today, how God's graciousness might rub off on us too. In Matthew 19, Jesus is going from the region of the Galilee in the north of Israel toward Jerusalem when a young a uh, rich man comes to him and says, Teacher, Rabbi, sh what must I do to have eternal life? And in a well-known response, Jesus says, Well, follow the commandments, and it lists uh, a number of the big ten. And then says, oh, what? after he says, I've done all those, that Jesus says, Well, go and sell everything you own and give the money to the poor, then come and follow me. When the man leaves, the disciples question Jesus, perhaps wanting more clarity, but I think also wanting more assurance. Jesus, we have, in fact, left everything to follow you. What is our way? What is our reward? And Jesus responds, assuring them that they have a place with him, but then says, and the last will be first, and the first will be last. And it's this line that introduces the parable that Nate deeply read today. But there's much about this parable that is just 
frustrating, a little bit off-putting at the very least. The world doesn't work like that. And perhaps we've experienced something of what the parable people experience. Perhaps we've been in some position in which someone younger or with less experience or less education is promoted above us, and we haven't felt great about that. Perhaps we have also been around uh, some sporting event, uh, if anybody wants to help uh, coach second and third grade basketball with me, you're welcome. Just let me know. I'll sign you up. Uh, season's not done yet, but maybe it's in those sporting events in which we see that there's a player that rarely comes to practice, doesn't play much in the games, and at the end, if it's a kind of uh, game or team where there are awards or trophies, everybody on the team, even that one who didn't come to most of the games and none of the practices, is going to get that ribbon or that trophy. And perhaps that doesn't feel good. After all, those all-day workers say, watch the wages get paid out and think, oh, what's going to be ours? Surely, because we've shown up more, we've practiced more, we've done all the games, we have gone through all the experience, we've labored long and faithfully, surely our reward will be greater. So Jesus' parable strikes at a fairness bone that we seem to have, and some of us maybe more than others. And it's almost offensive. This, this parable it's more than just almost offensive. I think it's offensive. Uh, it's unconscionable, and it's, it's deeply frustrating to see the way this plays out, these workers all getting paid the same. The world doesn't work like this. Uh, even if it were just some small job like scooping the snow in our driveway, we would expect that uh, we would pay according to what the job is, and the different people doing different amounts would get paid differently. This is something that would seem fair. And so it seems deeply frustrating that Jesus would tell this story. And those in the parable are deeply frustrated. And Matthew doesn't tell us how the disciples reacted. But I don't think it's too far out on the limb to say I don't think they were really thrilled with it. After all, these are the same disciples who at other points will be arguing with one another about which one will be greater. They're the ones who are uh, seeking to know who will sit at Jesus' right and left. And so this parable is deeply frustrating unless, because the world doesn't seem to work that way, unless that's exactly Jesus's point. And so what we discover with the parable is that the parable demonstrates really Jesus' very existence. 
and that the parable reveals something of God's character and the shape of God's kingdom, which Jesus comes to inaugurate. In Jesus, we see that God gives of God's self fully, even though the world doesn't deserve it, so that they, all the world would experience God's love. That's a twist on John 3.16. And so we discover in Jesus uh, God's graciousness, who gives and gives of God's self, not when we've earned it, but instead because God chooses like the landowner chooses to be generous. And so Jesus reveals God's graciousness and the graciousness of the kingdom of God so that we can be shaped by God's character. And that would be all well and good if it weren't still sometimes frustrating. And it is also less than explicit. So we might say, well, God is gracious. We see that in Jesus' parable. We see that in Jesus. So, hey, people, let's be gracious. Glad we solved that. But it sometimes is helpful to have a little bit more clarity And so as we continue to read through Scripture, we might find some other ways in which Scripture shows us something of what graciousness looks like. For example, in Ephesians 4.32, we hear Paul say, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Or in Colossians 4, Let your conversation be always full of grace, which is a frustrating way to define a word with a word, Uh, seasoned with salt, not to be salty, uh, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And then in Luke, Jesus says, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. And so we see that in these scriptures, at least, to be gracious is to be kind and forgiving and full of compassion, which means feeling with, uh, and to be full of mercy, which is to give without expectation, uh, and to be full of, what was that last one? Full of, not grace, mercy. There we go. Thanks, Nate. You're like, on point today. Well, since we've got that list, which some of us can remember. Surely now everything's clear. Except that it's not still. Because, again, this parable and the very idea of God's graciousness, choosing to give and to love and to give of God's self uh, when others, particularly, we feel are not worthy, is still challenging at the very least. And so we might say, if the Spirit, if Jesus reveals God's graciousness, then we need more clarity and more guidance and more help for how to be gracious. And so perhaps this means starting with asking. 
Perhaps if Jesus reveals God's graciousness so that we can be gracious, so that others can experience God through us, then the start when things are too hard for us to accomplish on our own and our fairness bone is just enraged, that instead we start with prayer. And in Lent we'll be exploring prayer for the entire season, but this prayer might start just simply like this. Jesus Since you reveal that God's kingdom is gracious and that we are called to live as graciously as you, send your Holy Spirit to work in my heart, in my mind, in my mouth, in my ears, my eyes, my hands, so that that I might be gracious because it's too big a task for me. Amen. Perhaps that can be the start through which Jesus in the Spirit makes us gracious. But as we see the way the Spirit continues to grow graciousness in us, we might also turn back to German class. Because I wanted to know and could have asked, Frau P., do they drive on the wrong side of the road? But for some inexplicable reason that has nothing to do with my character or my wisdom, I said, Frau P., do they drive on the opposite side of the road? And I wouldn't even remember this story except that uh, Frau P. pointed out that that was distinct and uh, useful. And she said something that's continued to stick with me that I would interpret or remember as we can assume that different doesn't have to mean wrong. And that's been really challenging for me and really useful for me. And I think assuming that different doesn't have to mean wrong could be somewhat life-changing and life-giving for us and for those around us. For example, next, this coming Wednesday, we'll serve on Wednesday night a baked potato bar, but last week, the Seekers class served meatloaf, and it could have gone like this. Boy, your meatloaf is not like my wife's, and that might not have gone over that well. I mean, try it out differently. You don't make mac and cheese like Grandma. You don't like, make this like my mom, or you don't grill like Mike. And so we might discover that there's a whole lot of different seems wrong in the way we approach that. But if we approached our relationships with a, uh, an assumption that difference doesn't have to mean wrong, we could instead say something like, Wow, this is different. Can I have your recipe? Or how did you make this? Which would go a lot farther in each of those situations, wouldn't it? And what we discover when we do that, when we assume that difference doesn't have to be wrong and we let that assumption shape our interactions, then we discover God's graciousness. So perhaps we would understand graciousness as a making space for others to be fully them and different 
and fully loved and valued and rewarded. The Holy Spirit helps us put on graciousness with others as we assume that their difference does not have to mean they're wrong, which always builds a wall. And perhaps step two is like it but different. What if we approached these differences or these things that challenge us with a spirit of curiosity? So perhaps we've experienced something that really frustrates us. Somebody's done something uh, that maybe somebody just poured the milk in the cereal bowl before they poured the cereal, and that was totally wrong to your way of viewing the world. Or maybe there are other things. And they get under our skin if we let them. And they get into our hearts if we're not careful. And so perhaps it's like when we notice that a child in our class is wearing the same pants day after day and week after week. We could say, doesn't that mother know any better than to send the person in the same pants every day? They're getting dirty, they smell, they don't look good. Sometimes we've done this. But if we approach it with a spirit of curiosity, then what we might with ourselves do is say, I wonder what else is going on there. And if we have options for interaction, we might say, I've noticed little Jimmy's wearing the same pants again uh, that he wore yesterday. Can you tell me about that? And what we might discover is what's going on in their lives. And we might discover that little Jimmy's mom washed the clothes the day before, and then we just keep washing them because those are the favorites. But we don't discover that if we approach first with judgment and a conviction that somebody else is wrong and that we're right and that we have the corner on truth and goodness. And so we discover that graciousness is the Spirit's gift through which we make space for others and discovers that others are people that God loves and is at work in. Jesus reveals the graciousness of God and God's kingdom so that we can participate in it. And when we start with prayer, inviting Jesus to work in us, and then assume that different doesn't have to be wrong and uh, meet difference with curiosity, we might just discover God in our midst. And the wonderful thing is that this is a value that is descriptive of you, people of Kearney First United Methodist Church. And I've seen it in these small ways and in other ways. And so perhaps your conversation is how we experience graciousness. But I've seen graciousness in you when people that have attended each of the different worship services have said, I intentionally choose to dress like I dress, not like I dress necessarily, but like, like I dress, so that other people will always feel welcome. And graciousness then makes space for the experiences of others. 
I've seen your graciousness in the ways that you seek to greet one another, those who are known and those who are unknown, uh, without being told in the most awkward and sterile of ways, go make sure to shake everybody's hands. Because what we do in that is say, you matter, and you matter, and you matter. And I'm glad you're here. And we've, I've seen your graciousness when you keep coming to your Sunday school class or your small group because you know that God works in the midst of that group for you and for others, and that you keep coming even though you know that you believe differently and think differently than some other people in the class, and they know it too. Because we've made space for others and recognize that God is at work in each and all of us for the good of all. What we've discovered is that Jesus reveals God, the graciousness of God's kingdom and God's character so that we can let it rub off on us. And in as much as we are gracious with others, others can experience God's graciousness through us. So who are we? A people marked by God's graciousness, by the Holy Spirit's work in us. When we invite the Spirit to make us gracious, when we invite the Spirit to help us assume that different doesn't need to be wrong, and when we invite the Spirit to help us approach life with curiosity, because we believe deep down that God is at work in and all for the good of all. May it be so. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have found the topics mentioned today to be thought-provoking and meaningful. For more information about our church, ministries, and upcoming events, check out our website at carneyfirstumc.org. If you'd like to join us on Sunday in person or on live stream, our traditional services are at 8.15 and 11 a.m. and our modern service is at 9.30 a.m. We look forward to seeing you next week. And until then, go in peace and may God bless you.